0: This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. Amen. Well, I'm on a new series this month, glory to God, uh, titled Freedom in Jesus. And I'm going to say this, we are all on the road of greater freedom. And I'm going to say this to you, that we're not there yet? How many of people are there yet? In other words, you have arrived. And you know, I'm going to say this, we have not arrived yet. Even the Apostle Paul said that he kept striving, even though he had all these visions of Jesus, but he kept pressing in towards the mark. And I'm going to say this to you today, you know, I know we're in summertime, we're in vacation time, we're in the laid back time. Keep pressing in. To the things of God. Amen? Don't stop. Keep going. Amen? I think that's the title of one of my sermons earlier this year. Keep going. And uh, so Jesus came to set us free, and we're in a progression of freedom. And, uh, and we know that the enemy is going to do everything he can to keep us, you know, uh, blinded in some areas of our lives. So we're going to have to come out of any kind of darkness that the enemy is trying to put us into. And so in Luke 4.18, I read this scripture quite often. But this is Jesus' first, uh, it's his first sermon. And Jesus really came to set the captives free. Uh, Let's just read this. It says in Luke 4.18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So, so we see here that Jesus came really uh, to, to set us free. I like to say this. He came to bring us back into the Garden of Eden. So where Adam and Eve, at, before they sinned, they were in total freedom. They, had, they didn't have any depression. They didn't have any arguments. They didn't have any kind of problems. But until sin came in. But Jesus came to reverse the curse. Amen? So so I'm going to say this. The chief way that we walk in bondage or walk in freedom is connected to the way we think. Can I say that again? The chief way that we walk in either bondage or freedom is connected to the way we think. So, so I'm going to say this, and the Bible says the, that, that um, the Bible actually says a lot about the way we think. Amen? In one verse in the Old Testament says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we have to, we have to pay attention to what goes into our minds, because whatever goes into your mind will eventually, if we think on it long enough, it will end up rooting into our hearts. And then that's where we have issues, because if we think wrong, we will speak wrong, we'll act wrong and we'll do wrong. Amen. So we want to think the right way. So 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 let me give you a scripture that will help us in 2 Corinthians 10, three and six. I love this. It says for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So let's just dissect this a little bit and see this is Paul and he's saying that even though we do walk in the flesh, even though we do walk in the natural, there's natural things happening all around us. Uh, We don't war according to the flesh. In in other words, uh, uh, we have spiritual weapons at our disposal and the spiritual weapons that we have is the spirit. uh, It's actually God's word. God's word is spirit and life. And so that's the only way we're going to pull down these strongholds. And what a stronghold is, a stronghold is basically it's a way of thinking that opposes God's way of thinking. Can I say that again? A stronghold in a person's life is a way of thinking that opposes the way God thinks. So in other words, we have to get in line with how god thinks another definition is it's a prisoner locked by deception so you you could say but you could say living a life is something that is not true it, it, it is will will bind you up will keep you bound up so so i love this because jesus actually said that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so you're here this morning not because you're perfect. Amen. Not because you're all, that, you're all that in a bag of chips. You're here because you're trying to learn and grow in God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm growing in God. So the negative strongholds will still our focus. In other words, it will keep us from focusing on the right things and keep us focused on the lie of the wrong things. It will cause us to feel controlled. In other words, we, we feel... We can never escape from it. Have you ever felt like you were in a position that didn't look good and the enemy keeps telling you things are not going to change? Have you ever been there? Have you ever come up against something and it just seems like it just keeps staying the same? Well, you know, that probably happened in Abraham's life. It took 25 years for him to see the promised child. But after 25 years, he got Isaac. So look at your neighbor and say, wait 25 years. No, I'm kidding. But it may take some time. It may be a process. But God's going to get us through the process. Can I get an amen? Amen. And, you know, I was talking to one of my, my people at the church and they they it took them a process to believe God for different things. They were telling me the process. I'm like, wow, it's always longer than we want. I think Letty said it took her fourteen months to believe for her house or something like that. And I'm like, wow, that's fourteen months. That that could be a long time. But you know, really, in, in the in the in the plan of God and even in time itself, time goes by faster than we think. Amen. And the older you get, the faster it seems to go by. Amen. Fourteen months is nothing. Amen. Can I get a witness in a house today? Amen. See, wrong thoughts will consume our emotional energy. It will make us feel drained at all times. It will distract us from our purpose. What the enemy wants to do is keep us from the mission that God has commissioned us to do. It will rob us. It will rob us of abundant life. It will keep us from walking in the kingdom benefits, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the very things that seems to be hindering us, I Roy, really, I'm going to say this to you today can bring us into the greater grace of God. I'm going to say that again. The very thing that seems to be hindering us can bring us into a greater place in God. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember Hannah? I preached about women of faith, and she was believing God for a child. Glory to God. And she didn't have a child. But the very thing that she wanted, she ended up dedicating her child. Uh, to, to the Lord, and God gave her a child amen made a made a commitment right and so the very thing and then God gave her five more kids, and she wanted a family. so what, what happened? The very thing she was believing God for manifested into a greater blessing. Are you listening to what I 'm saying to you today? So you might feel like today you might feel like, oh man i 'm dealing with an issue i 'm dealing with situations, and i can 't seem to overcome them. No, if God is before you, it doesn't matter who's against you. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And there's many people in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament that has overcame. Amen? Yeah. And so, so the very thing, so let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians twelve, seven, and 10. And this is the Apostle Paul. And we know that Apostle Paul, he went through a lot of stuff in his life. He went through a lot of suffering in his life. But he also experienced God in miraculous ways, and he, you know, he had great revelations of God in his life, and and he was talking about this in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, how he w- went up into the third heaven and he saw things that could not be uttered by human beings, and and that he had these great revelations, and so we go down here to Second Corinthians twelve seven. And "And because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited or arrogant, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. These three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all and the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's interesting that he said that. So, so let's look at the Apostle Paul. He was looking at these persecutions. These things that were coming against them as something that was keeping them back from following the plan of God. But what actually it was doing, it was keeping them in, in a place of humility, which kept them in the grace zone. Because when we step out of humility, are, are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? When we step into pride, the Bible says that God actually opposes the prideful. Amen. He, he, he comes against the prideful. What, what you're saying to me, Pastor, God can't come against me. Well, he comes against an, an attitude, let me put it that way, of pride in our lives. So, so what do we got to do? We got to get the pride out. The pride, the middle letter of pride is I. And then you take the P off pride, it will take you for a ride. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? I know you like that one, don't you? Amen. So are you hearing what I'm saying today? So, 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 so really, when we get so focused on ourselves, and it's about, like I always say, me, myself, and I, the false trinity, we get in trouble. But when we put our focus back on God, look at your neighbor and say, focus on God. Focus on God. So we got to get our focus back on God. When we're too focused on ourselves, that's when we start to sink. When we're too focused on self-preservation, have anybody ever heard that? That means you're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to make sure that you're not going to be hurt. You're going to keep your walls up. You're you're not going to you know you've been hurt before, so you're not going to get any more friends, and you're you're gonna you're gonna protect yourself, and you know and that's called that's called the doctrine of self-preservation. That's called leaning on your own ability, leaning on your own power, leaning on what you can do. No, we need to be leaning on what God can do. I'm preaching to somebody today. And sometimes when we're in this walk, are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? That we tend to, at times, to lean on our own selves, lean on our finances, lean on our good health. Lean on, you know, our good friends. No, you better lean on God. Because some of these things you may be leaning on may not be yours tomorrow. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. What you might be leaning on today as putting your faith in may not be there tomorrow. But if you're leaning and putting your faith in God, he will be there tomorrow. Are oh, you hear what I'm saying to you today? So we, we need to understand this. That so, so Paul got the revelation that even though he was encountering some issues and some problems, there was a greater grace there. And so as he acknowledges his weaknesses before the Lord, God's grace can come in. As you acknowledges your as you acknowledge your weakness before the Lord, God can give you grace to stand. I'm preaching to somebody today. So these negative strongholds can keep us from being all that God wants us to be. And so a lot of times in our walk with Christ, there's people in the body of Christ, they're not moving into the places that God wants them to move into because they have these patterns of thinking that's keeping them from moving forward. In other words, that knocks you out from being all that God wants you to be. So in 2 Timothy, uh, Paul is preaching here and he's saying here, but in a great house, there's not only vessels of gold or silver, but also wood and clay, some of honor and some of dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Then he says, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. So what is he saying here? Paul is saying that these strongholds can, can get us into a position where we're not the vessel of honor that God wants us to be. Amen. And what he's saying is that there's going to be people in the body of Christ because they don't understand the love of God. Because they don't understand the grace of God. They're going to try to walk this walk in their own strength. And they're going to get burned out. And some of them are going to quit church. Some of them are going to quit reading their Bible. Because they stopped relying on God. And they kept relying on themselves. And I'm going to say this. You can't keep, you know, rely on God. Let me put it that way. So I'm going to say this to you today, that you can come out of any areas of dishonor in your life, and you can come into an area of honor in your life by, by making a decision with your thoughts of what you're going to do in the kingdom of God. And, he says, and and Paul is saying that you can come out of it, and you can be a vessel of honor, and you can be meat for the master's use. So we have to understand this, and in 2 Timothy 2.26... It says, as they may come out of their senses, escaping the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So here we see that these strongholds uh, that really are, are wrong thinking that the enemy puts in our heads to keep us in a place of captivity. But, you know, but but hopefully when we pray for those, anybody have any family members that are in that that, that's doing things that they're not supposed to be doing? Any family members that that grew up in church and now they're out in the world? And and they and they act and they seem to be happier than us. (laughs) They seem to have no problems. They seem to be doing well. Glory to God. And they and they seem to be happy in their sin. How, do you know anybody like that? And they seem to be more joyous in their sin than we are in our salvation. And the devil will make, make you look like, how come they seem happier than us? How come they seem like they got it all and they're, and they're in sin? Well, you know, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. But at the end, it will end in death. So th- they're setting themselves up for a fall. Amen. Amen. So just because they seem to be in a good place and they seem to be happy in their sin, it's only for a short period. Amen. And so what we got to get, we got to get a revelation of when we pray for them, that perhaps God will bring them out and they can escape out of the devil's clutches. And people that are deceived don't know they're deceived. I'm going to say it again, people that are deceived don't know they're deceived because if they knew they were deceived, they would get out of deception. That's, that's the thing about deception. Amen? So really, I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you a question today. How do you train an elephant to stay stationary? How do you train an elephant to stay stationary? How do you keep... Place? Well, the trainers, you know, in these zoos and in these uh, uh, carnivals or whatever, uh, they have elephants and they train elephants... Um, but what they do is when the elephant is small, they put a rope around the elephant's leg. And, they, and, and the elephant's small, and they, and they peg it down. And the elephant will try to move, and, and he, can't, he can't break that peg. So as the elephant grow, you know, he'll keep doing that, and then finally the elephant gives up. And, uh, but the elephant keeps growing. And even though he keeps growing, he, you know, you, you hear that, that, that saying... You know, uh, uh, I have a memory like an elephant. You know, they, they, they can remember for a long time. And so, in other words, the elephant gets so conditioned to the rope and the length of the rope that even though he, he grows to be a couple tons and he could pull that rope out, he stays in that position because he was conditioned by the rope at an early age. Are oh, you hear what I'm saying to you today? And so, and so what we need to realize is that, that we need to get these, condi- these our, our patterns of thinking that may even came back from when we were kids. We need to learn to break that rope off our lives. Amen. We need to learn to do that by the Word of God. So we need to make sure that we're not falling into patterns of thinking that's going to keep us in a place, I like to say a straitjacket, that will keep us bound up. So we need to keep that. We need to keep the stronghold of fear. We need to keep the stronghold of anxiety. We need to keep these strongholds from coming against us. And really, one of the best stories I can talk to you about this morning is the story of David and Goliath. Now, we hear this story all the time, but I'm gonna, hopefully I'll be able to minister to you in a little different way this morning. And we know this, that, uh, that Goliath, uh, you know, that the Philistines and the Israelites were in a fight. They were in a battle. And Goliath, in 1 Samuel 17, 4-11, uh, it, it talks about Goliath and, and, and how powerful he looked. It says in 1 Samuel 17, 4, 11, it says, And the champion went out from the camp of Philistines, named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had bronze armor on his legs and bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield-bearer shield went before him. Then he stood out crying to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for the battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you, the servants of Saul, choose a man for yourself. And let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and and kill me, then we will be your servants. And that was a lie. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said this to defy the armies of Israel that day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Think about this. So this man, you know, this Philistine was was about nine foot tall. He could have been 10 foot tall. He was a huge man. And he had and he had all the armor you can think of all the modern day armor that was protecting him. And he looked like man, he man, the Israelites were shaking in their boots. They were afraid of Goliath. And I don't know what Goliath might be in your life, but I'm going to, have to, I'm going to say to you, don't be afraid of Goliath, whatever it could be. It might be, you might have a fear of the future for, for your finances. Don't be afraid of the Goliath of poverty. Because God will take care of you. It might, be a, it might be a Goliath of sickness. Don't be afraid of that Goliath. Because Jesus is your healer. It might be another Goliath that you might be facing. But see, the enemy will always make the Goliaths in our lives look bigger than what they really are. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And and I'm going to say this. The devil's not that big. He's not that bad. And he can't take you down. Why? Because God is the one that sets us in place and it's, when, when it's our time, God will call it. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And so the Israelites were in fear for over 40 days. They were in fear. And David came up and, and, and David uh, came to the battleground. And uh, they, in, in 1 Samuel seventeen twenty six, David gives us some information about how he thought about Goliath. And here, David asked the men standing near him in 1 Samuel 17, 26, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? This is powerful, what he said, because what, what David was actually saying when he said to, about Goliath, he was an uncircumcised Philistine, what he was saying was the circumcision connected with covenant. Yeah. And what he was saying was he was saying that this uncircumcised saying that this man did not have a covenant with God Almighty. Yeah. And I'm going to say this to you today. You have a covenant. Yeah. You have a covenant and it's a blood covenant. Glory to God. And it can't be broken. Hallelujah. And so you have a covenant. So he realized that he had a covenant, and then he said, "Who is this man that defies the army of the living God? The armies of the living God." In other words, we belong to God. David wasn't just looking at just himself; he was looking at the fact that the, that the Goliath was defying the armies of the living God. We see here in First Samuel seventeen thirty six, a few scriptures down, he's talking to uh, David. Now is talking to King Saul he said, and and he says and he says to king Saul your servant has killed both the lion and the bear this uncircumcised Philistine he goes again this person that does not have a covenant with God he's uncircumcised he doesn't have a covenant will be like one of them because he has defiled again the armies of the living God hallelujah so we see here that even uh he's speaking to the king and the king was not too sure if David could handle Goliath, but, but, he, but David said, you know, and I'm going to say this. When you're encountering a Goliath in your life, look back at the victories that God gave you in the past. Look back at what God has done. And if he's done it in the past, he can do it today. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? Look back. Don't, don't be focused on the Goliath that's attacking your life today, don't be focused on that. No, focus on the Goliaths that were knocked down in your life in your past. I'm talking about answered prayer this morning. I'm talking about when God answered your prayer and he did something amazing in your life and you thought, wow, that's amazing. To tell you the truth, I'm just amazed that I'm up here this morning. Because I'm telling you, I should not, uh, with, uh, with, 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 with everything that, before I became the pastor of this church, I was a single man. I wasn't married. And I was, I was single, and the pastors were turning the church over, and they were trying to, they were trying to turn it over to a couple, a past, uh, because they felt that a couple, you know, a, a husband and a wife pastor team would be a better fit to, to pastor the church than a single man. But I guess they didn't realize that Apostle Paul did a lot of pastoring as a single guy. Amen. And uh, but uh, but God was able to after a few years, uh, you know, and they couldn't even give the church away. uh, They came to me and they said, do you think you can take this church? And I said, well, you know, God's been telling me for over three years that I was going to be the pastor. And I said, well, I think I can. Amen. With, with the help of my mom and dad, of course, because they were on the team. Glory to God. My dad was a treasure of the church. Amen. It's good to have your dad as the treasure of the church. Amen. Amen. And uh, and so they but but it looked impossible. It looked impossible that I would that I would, you know, that they would turn over the work that they put in for 20 years. That, you know, their blood, sweat and tears and prayers to me. Glory to God. And but they did, glory to God. And the church is still standing today. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It has not gone anywhere. We're still standing, and we're going to keep standing until Jesus comes back. Amen. And it's going to be sooner than we think. Amen. So we see here that that, that, that David was being attacked, was was you know, being challenged by Goliath. And we're, we don't think you're not going to be challenged in this life because, because Goliath is coming one way or the other. And we better be ready to stand on the, on the word of God. So here in Samuel 17, 46 and 47, it says here, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down, cut off your head this very day, I'll give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and those gathered here will know that it is not by my sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So what was David saying? Well, David was saying, listen, I'm not relying on my own, own special abilities I'm not relying on what I can do in the physical, even though David was a physical fit person and he could sling the, the stone, glory to God, and he could do some things. But he was relying on God. And, he, and I'm going to say this. He was relying on God to, to bring him the victory, glory to God. And then, this is interesting, because sometimes when we're in a battle, we think the battle's ours. No, the battle's the Lord's. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. Yes, it is in a sense it's ours, but in a sense the battle is, Lord, is the Lord's because God is with us. God is for us and God is not going to let us go. Right. Yeah. Are you here what I'm saying to you today? So the battle is the Lord's and the victories ours. So we have to keep standing on that. Let's look at Luke eleven twenty one 21 to 22. Let's look at this. And this is Jesus, and he just cast out some demons uh, out of some people, and he was doing that in his ministry. He was setting people free. And then, and then the Pharisees came to him and said, well, you're doing that by the power of the devil. And then Jesus said, you know, if a kingdom is divided, it cannot stand. So he was letting the Pharisees know that, that the devil doesn't fight against himself. And then Jesus says here in Luke eleven twenty one 21 to 22, It says, when a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. That's right. He's talking about he's talking about the bad guy. When the bad guy is fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. See, the devil will make you think that. See, the devil, when he holds somebody captive, the devil thinks that he owns you. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. See, the devil believes that, you know, he believes that your house is his house. That's how he thinks. The devil believes that he, he, he's he 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 usurps authority and he works against us. And so so he's the strong man. So he's guarding. He's guarding that part of your life, the devil, to, to keep you in bondage. But it says here, but someone stronger attacks and overpowers him. And he takes away the armor, which the man trusted and divides his plunder. Who is the stronger man? Jesus. Jesus is the stronger man that can overpower the weaker man. Who's the weaker man? The devil. Yeah, yeah. So what am I saying to you this morning? The word of God will uncover any deception or deceit in our lives if we let it. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? So, so this, this is saying here that God is always stronger than the devil... Light always overcomes darkness. Good always overcomes evil. Yes, hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Always. Yes. Somebody say always. always. Good always overcomes evil. Yeah, yeah. Light always overcomes darkness. Amen. God always overcomes Amen. the Amen. devil. Right, yeah. Amen. One of the worst cases of bondage is in Luke 8, 26-39. And this is the, what is coined as the madman of Kadera. Have you ever been called uh, husbands by your wife? You're a madman. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and glory to God. So just a little joke, a little, a little humor here. And, um, and, so, and so, so one of the worst cases of somebody being bound up is in Luke 8, 26, 39. Let's look at this. Then it says, they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes when is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out in the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice, he said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of that man. For if it had often seized him, and it was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds which was driven by the demons into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion. Because many demons have entered in, and they begged him that they would not command him to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there at the mountain. so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man, entered the swine, and they herd ran violently down the steep place and the lake, into the lake and drowned. And when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told the city and the country. Then they went out to see what happened, and he came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid, and they also had seen. It and told them by what means he had the demon possessed man was healed. Then the whole multitude surrounding the region of Galilee asked him to depart from there, for they were seized with great fear. For he got into the boat, returned. Now that man whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went away and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus has done for him. So let's look at this story for a second. We see that this man that Jesus came up to, he was naked, he was in the tombs, he was cutting himself, he didn't even look like a man. This is what the devil tries to do. He will try to turn people into animals. The devil is trying to bring people that's made in the image of God. Well, you got these people that go and shoot innocent people. You know, we, we get these reports... Of these crazy people shooting and killing people. They get a gun and they shoot, uh, they shoot kids in a school. You know that. What is the enemy doing? He's, he's turning people into animals. And then this uh, doctrine of Darwinism that teaches that we all come from, from an from a animal ourselves. Turns us into an animal. No, we come from God. You don't come from a monkey. Maybe your uncle, but not you. No, I'm kidding, but... Are you, what are you hearing what I'm saying today? No, we don't. We, we, we are designed and we are created in the image of God. Yes. Yes. And so the enemy, the devil, will try to change that image and try to make us into an ima- image, into an animal. But we're not animals. Yes. We're created beings created in the image of God. Yes. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And so this man that Jesus came up had, had a legion of demons in him. And Jesus, just with one word, Jesus set him free. One word from God, I say this uh, quite often, can, can change your entire life. Yes. One anointed word of God. And he spoke that anointed word. And that man came into his right mind. They fully clothed him. He was in a place uh, now... To be set in ministry. He was in a place, what I was talking about today, his mind was darkened. He had demonic oppression. He was a vessel of dishonor. But God was able to come into his life and change him from a vessel of dishonor to a vessel of honor. Or oh, you hear what I'm saying to you today? Turn this man from serving the devil but by being, uh, you, know, ser- you know, serving the devil and, and, and living in these tombs and, and, and cutting himself. And turn this man into the evangelist that, that probably brought many people on that island to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said to him, I don't want you coming with me, you got a commission now. You have a ministry now. I'm making you an evangelist. And now tell tell people what great things God has in store for you. If you want to get healed, if you want to get delivered, if you want to get set free, start proclaiming. That God has healed you, delivered you, and he has set you free. And start talking about that to everybody. Don't tell people that you, that you got a problem and this is your problem. No, that's temporary situation subject to change. And your problem, it will not, don't let your problem define who you are. Let God define who you are. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Who he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy or the adversary. So let me give you three quick points. Glory to God. If you're going to maintain and be the vessel of honor that God wants you to be. Number one, you must take back your thought life by going on a fast from whatever is feeding your mind in carnality. It was like this man that came to the pastor and said, I'm dealing with lust problems, pastor. I'm dealing with lust. And, and the pastor has asked him, well, what, what are you watching? I'm watching HBO, Hell's Box Office. And it has all these rated R movies with all this nudity in it and all that. Well, you're not going if to, you, if you keep watching that stuff, you're going to keep walking in lust. And you're going to be walking in the wrong things. You've got to cut those things off that's trying to destroy your life. Sometimes you just got to let things go. Look at your neighbor and say, let things go. Amen? Let things go. It says in Romans 8, 5, and 6, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are living according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we have to we have to do a shift. You know, if you, if you wake up depressed, you better put some worship music on. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You better get something on that's going to change the way you think. And hopefully worship music, praising God, speak, praising out of your mouth, the glory of God, the bigness of God, the greatness of God, will bring you out of, out of deception will bring you out of depression, and will bring you in the grace of God. Amen. Are you listening to what I'm saying today? Romans 12:2 said, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed, but in renewing your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. So I don't know about you, but I want the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God is us being honorable, honorable vessels, meet for the master's use. I love that. So if you, uh, here's a thought for you today. If you want to change your life, change the way you think. Amen. If you want to change your life. Amen. I was, uh, we were having a prayer service on Wednesday. We do prayer every Wednesday. And, uh, and uh, one of my prayer warriors asked me how I was doing. And I said, hanging in there and she preached for me, for me to me for about 20 minutes about hanging in there. And I, she said, "What, pastor? You can't be just hanging in there." And I said, "Man, I should have said blessed and anointed." <laughs> and she went on for maybe 15, maybe not that long, but it was enough to she was preaching back to me. Don't don't if I ask you how you doing, don't say hanging in there. Just barely hanging on. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? No, no, you don't want to be saying stuff like that, especially to a, to a faith person. Because a faith person is going to put you back in, put you back on track. I, I knew I answered the wrong thing. I knew when it was coming out of my mouth, this sounds might sound a little neck just hanging in there. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? No, no, we're not just hanging in there. We're not just holding on. No, listen, if, 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 if you're thinking that, don't think like that. You know, you know, God's grace is like a rope on a helium balloon. Instead of you holding on to the rope, take that rope, wrap it around yourself, and let that helium ro- uh, balloon raise you up. Are oh, you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And instead of just holding on, let the rope hold you on. Hallelujah. Let the rope of God's grace hold you on. Number two, we must expose and identify the lie at all costs. In other words, my 11th commandment, thou shalt not fool thyself. Don't, don't try to cover up any problems that you have in your life and act like you don't have a problem. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you got a problem, fess up, you know, the mess up and then you'll be all right. Fess up the mess up. And so here in John, in James 5, 16 it says, confess your sins, each other, pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, producing wonderful results. So, so really, we are supposed to confess to one another areas in our life that we're struggling in. Why? So that we can have other people strengthen us, and so that we can pray for one another, so we can strengthen one another. So you let people know. In other words, some of you might need an accountable partner accountability, a partner. Maybe you have a weakness in a certain area. Well, maybe you need to get an accountab- accountability partner to keep you on check so you don't fall into that weakness. And I'm preaching to somebody today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I, I, I have a, uh, I, uh, I kiddingly say to my mom, because my, my mom and I, we, we pray a lot. We, 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 you know, we're constantly talking. I have a great relationship with my mother. And uh, sometimes we're praying and the Holy Spirit's moving and we're praying in the Spirit. And sometimes we get drunk in the Spirit. I mean, we just start laughing and we have joy. And it, it can be fun serving God and praying. Amen. Somebody say, oh my, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it can be fun praying and worshiping the Lord because God can intervene and He can touch you. And the Bible says do not get drunk with wine and in, in excess, but to be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourself in psalms and, and spiritual songs and hymns. And I, and I said to my mom, I said, we all need a drinking buddy. What do I mean by that? I'm not, about, I'm not talking about liquor. I'm not talking about JD. I'm talking about JC. I'm talking about we need to be drinking of the fountain of life. We need, we need to be drinking of the new wine of the Holy Spirit. Am I preaching to somebody today? And when we get together and we're drinking of the new wine, that's why we have worship service on Sunday nights. Why? Because we want to get so filled with God. I'm preaching to somebody today that, when, that whenever the enemy comes to attack us, it will bounce off, off of us. It will roll off of us like water off of a duck's back. Glory to God. I've never seen that before, but it's, it's supposed to happen that way. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And number three, we must replace the lie with God's truth. How his abiding truth will set us free. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Hallelujah. So what do you got to keep doing? You got to keep abiding in the vine. You got to keep abiding in the word. You got to keep that word before you. You don't give up on the word. You don't go by feelings. Oh, I feel like getting in the word today. No, you get into the word. You continue to stay in the word until that word of God transforms your mind into the place that God wants you to be. I'm going to say this today. I'm closing today. God wants happy people in the kingdom of God. God wants joyful people in the kingdom of God. God wants peaceful people in the kingdom of God. The, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, if we're not walking in that peace and joy, then there's something there that might be hindering us from walking in that, and that's the, the wrong thinking. The other day I realized I was kind of, you know, fighting some, some blues, like we all do at times, and I realized what I need to do is start getting Thankful. And if you start thanking God, you may, you may have had some losses, but thank God with what you got. And I started thinking, I got a beautiful wife that can cook like nobody's business. Hallelujah. I mean, she can cook. Amen. And, uh, and I, got a be- I got beautiful kids. I got a, I got a beautiful congregation that love me. Hallelujah. That, that demonstrate their love on Father's Day. Amen. And I, I'm so thankful for what I have. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm ve- I started thinking about that and it started getting thankful. And when you start thinking about all the good things, it's hard for you to be depressed. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard for you to be down. Right. It's hard for you to be focused on what you don't have. Yeah. No, start focusing on what you do have. Yeah. Start yeah. focusing on the goodness of God. Yeah. And I'm telling you, when you start doing that, then I'm telling you, because, I'm, because I'm t- this day and age, most people are mad, angry, upset and depressed. That's what people are in. This is the last days. We are in the last days. And the devil's trying to get people mad, angry, upset, and depressed. But that's not going to be us. We're not going to get mad at the pumps when, when, when the gas is $5 a gallon. No, we're going to thank God that God will meet every need according to his riches and glory in Christ. Jesus. Did you receive it today? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just thank you. For your mercies and your goodness this morning. We thank you, Father God, that it's all just an adjustment that we all need to make. It might be just a little adjustments for us to be in that grace zone, in that place called there. And so, Father, I thank you for those that are uh, in this audience, those that are watching online. And maybe this is your, I believe that this is your day, not maybe it is. It's your day to be set free. And perhaps you're in the audience or watching online and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. You're living your life for yourself. You are the center of your own world. Well, this is the day of salvation. And I want you to, if, you, if you're ready, if you've come to your end of yourself, if you're done trying to do it on your own, this is the day of salvation. Just pray this prayer after me and me in your heart. Say, Dear God, I believe Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead for my justification. Today, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. And Heavenly Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org.